Hey everybody, Chris here. Just a quick note before we get started. This conversation was actually recorded in the summer of 2018 and just got lost in the archives. And searching through the computer today, I resurrected it because I thought, well, climbing areas are opening back up slowly but surely and people are going to be trying to get outside. So now seems like a good time for this episode to hit the airwaves. If you are getting back out, make sure you're staying safe, make sure you're following local regulations, suggestions, and be smart. All right, let's get into it. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Biggio and Bagwell. Boom. Trying to throw you a bone here. Do you know these? Baseball players. Okay. Houston, Astros, Killer Bees. I actually had their baseball cards. Nice, dude. Yeah, not that I'd have their hockey cards. I figured if I bumped it up to the late 90s, maybe you would... We're getting there. Get a little bit. And centered it in Houston. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> figured that one would work for us. Uh, we we actually just returned from Salt Lake City. Um, a very whirlwind trip. Uh, I was talking to Xing today, and he asked me how long we were in Salt Lake, and I was like, I don't even think it was 24 hours. I was just trying to do the math in my head. I don't think we were. Yeah, I don't think it was even 24 hours. We packed a lot into 24 hours. Yeah. Um, including uh, a couple of recorded conversations with Esther Smith and Ava Lopez. Um, and went and watched a, an Ava Lopez presentation that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, so. it was awesome. And you'll hear more about that soon. Um, but today, we're going to talk about the top five ways to salvage your season. Um, I don't even know anything about this because I've never tanked a season. I don't even know what that's like. Really? So. That's so. <laughs> I definitely don't have here written, ask Chris about Waco tanks. <laughs> hey, I sent something. <laughs> we'll get we'll get there. Um, so... Why Why would someone need to salvage a season? Um, because there can be several reasons. Um, you can have gotten horribly out of shape. Um, you could have just had a really busy, like either summer or winter, depending on when your season is. Um, you, the weather could be terrible. Like you could miss out. Like once the season starts, you're like, oh, it's raining for the next month. And I have two months that I can go out on the weekends. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Um, you so have, basically, it's not all about you sucking. It yeah. can also be that outside factors have yeah. come into play. But let, let's not, uh, you know, rule out you <laughs> sucking. It's a thing. Um, but yeah, so it could be outside factors. Uh, your friends could get married in October. Come on, friends. Yeah. No one gets married. Well, you know what? October's fine now. Yeah. yeah. At least they're not getting married in November. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, no weddings in November, friends. 
Um, so there's a lot of reasons. Um, and I think a really common thing that happens is, you know, first a good way, good wave of weather comes in and people go outside and they're just like, yeah. Oh shit. I'm not, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Like what, what do I do? Like in, you know, there's this kind of spiral out of control. They're like, oh, you know, I haven't done core in like four years. Uh, right. do, how do right. I even do that? I've like, been getting in shape since 1997. Yeah. And you know, it's not even just that people get outside, realize they're not ready during that first wave. You can also tank a season by going out too soon and just starting to try and perform. Oh yeah. When that first little October wind blows in and you're like, fuck yeah, just dropped below 80. Um, I'm on the proj. Oh man. And the- then it's 88 for the next six weeks. Yeah. That said, that is maybe one of my favorite days of the entire year is the first day when you're like outside and you're like, oh, it's like kind of nice and crisp and bluebird and sunny out. And there's like a cold wind. Yeah. And you're just like, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Tricks That's, everybody. It does. Yeah. Because you, you still have like another month after that. But but yeah, I mean, that, that totally happens. You know, people who, um, or they just started their season like three months too early. They're like, I'm just going to power through the bad time. Right. And then by the time... The season comes around, they're burnt out. Yep. On the way into the downward slide. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of reasons why you can be coming into a season and, you know, kind of have that oh shit moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about the top five ways as we see it to kind of salvage that and make the most of what could turn into a really bad, depressing, alcohol-filled couple of months. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And our our number five reason is, and some of you aren't going to want to hear this, but take a step back difficulty wise. Mm -hmm. Step it down a notch. Just one notch. Yeah, just a little notch. But that's fucking hard for people. People always want to be stepping it up a notch. Mm -hmm. They don't even like to stay where they were last season. They just want to step it up a notch. Always. All the time. Yeah. Progression is linear, Chris. Yeah, it's perpetual. Yes. Um, In fact, that's what we should name a training plan, perpetual progression. Perfect. Sell to everybody. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is, you know, this can be a hard thing to do, but also it can, I think, even be hard to not just go overboard with this. You know, you try your project and you're like, oh, I can't even do this. I should just go climb. You know, if we're trying 13A, you're like, I should just go climb like 12B. Um, which, you know, instead of going from something that's hard to you, you're now trying to move back to your comfort zone. Right. You know, maybe you're one of those people who's done like six or seven 13 A's and two 12 D's. Right. I know these people. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and so, you know, now's a great time. Just pull it back a notch. Like if your original buildup was going to be, okay, I'm going to do like, you know, one or like two 12 D's. 13a and then maybe try my first 13b then you know pull it back like oh i'm gonna do a couple 13 or 12 c's then some 12 d's and if you feel good which i mean often when you start a season and you feel rough like you know sometimes it just takes a while to get used to climbing on rock again yeah get some momentum going yeah like momentum and confidence that goes such a long way Mm -hmm. so you know i think most people already should probably start a step back from where they already are like when they start a season 
um, kind of build that preseason base. Yep, I agree. So they have some speed going. But uh, yeah, so just take a little bit of a step back and then kind of reassess once you've built some steam. Yep, and on the flip side to your example, um, there are some people out there who maybe should reconsider taking a step back. Um, and I'm not talking directly to you, Phil Wilkes, but I kind of am. Um, <laughs> if you've done, you know, Phil is a, a good climber. He's, he, oh, see, now I am talking directly to Phil. <laughs> Phil, you're a good climber. And you've done a lot of a specific grade. And then those next grades up are a little, little harder to come by. Maybe this isn't the best tactic for you, taking a step back right to that next level down because that's where your comfort zone is. Just mm -hmm. like Nate just said, stepping back into that comfort zone isn't what you want to do. So maybe you just haven't learned to push out of that comfort zone yet. Um, so maybe taking a step back isn't the best tactic in that case. And, and then we do have some, you know, some other tactics here, so you can choose something else. Mm -hmm. Our uh, number four is view it as a setup season. And maybe this might be my favorite of these um, <clears throat> because I really like setup seasons. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because that's how I view my tanked seasons afterward. Yeah. Like, oh, that wasn't a tanked season at all. Set myself just up. Setting myself up for next season. Yeah. They're fun though. Like, I, I agree. Like, I've had a couple times where it wasn't even so much intentional of, you know, maybe I had been bouldering and then like I spent a bunch of Thanksgivings up in Kentucky, like in the Red River Gorge mm -hmm. um, from Texas, but went to school in Tennessee. And so going back home for a few days, I uh, didn't make sense. So instead I skipped a couple days of school and spent an entire 10 days in the red. Well, because that makes sense. Much more logical. <laughs> but because I would normally, like a lot of times I had bouldered through the summer I would get there and be horribly out of shape. Um, but what was really fun was I could go and it was completely stress-free. I was like, Oh, I, I can go like check out some projects. Like yeah, I can free go, feels. That's what I call it. Free feels. Exactly. You can go project shopping. Like there was no stress and it was like, okay, I'm just going to invest a little bit of time here and there, see what feels good. And then I know what I need to train for. I know what, you know, it's like, okay, I need to go do more big routes or I need to try more bouldery routes. So when I come back, I'm fit for this. Yep. And it, so it can very much go from, oh man, I'm really out of shape and I'm not going to be able to do anything to like, oh, like this is awesome. I'm super psyched. I can't wait to like, like this is now like what's keeping me motivated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think project shopping is a really nice way to spend a season. Um, again, I'll definitely say if you're a project shopper all the time, this is not the tactic for you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're a summer and rifle kind of person who's always project shopping, maybe your season needs to be not shopping. Yeah, maybe you should be stepping down and climbing more volume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can I can see a setup season working in a different way as well. I mean, if you come into your season and you realize that you don't have the stamina you need to give multiple efforts, if you don't have the endurance you were expecting, whatever it is, you can use your your 
then tanked season to set up for that leading into your next training cycle before your next season. And I think that's an interesting way to go too, because then you can sort of treat it like further training, mm-hmm. you know? So instead of just let's go project shopping, check out what we're going to do, know exactly what we're getting set up for. You can use it as a, as further training. Yeah. If you already know what you want to do in the future, like if you know what you want to do next season, you know, use that time to start building the base. Then like, you know, things happen, things come up in life. Um, we can't always be ready. We want to be, but if you can at that point say, all right, this isn't going to happen to me six months from now. I'm going to start taking care of it now. Like that's a great use of time. Yep. Totally. And, uh, our number three of our top five ways to salvage your season is just have fun. Blasphemy. I know. And you know, it's funny. A lot of the times when we, someone asks about something like this on our, um, on our Facebook community group, there's always someone who says, just go out and have fun, you know, and, and they almost get ignored. Yeah. Like, it's like I'm sorry. Like, that's not an option. You're in the wrong place. There's no fun in rock climbing. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> who let this guy in? <laughs> but I think there are some ways that you can go out, have a lot of fun, and still still make progress through that season that you thought was tanked. You know, there are all sorts of silly challenges and circuits and um link ups and things like that that you could do that would be really fun challenges for you you know i had i remember writing these these lists about the red years ago that were a trad route and a sport route of the same grade at different crags around the red mm-hmm. you know and and those were really fun challenges like go to skybridge and do two 11s, do the inhibitor, do king me, then go to um, military wall and do two 11s there. And then, you know, you just keep doing that at different crags around the red. And that's super fun. It may not be what your goal was, but you're going to get a lot of mileage in. You're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And you might find some motivation that carries over into those next seasons instead of just ending up depressed and in this hole. Totally. Um, you know, something that when I didn't have a ton of time when I was like, there were times in college when just especially like my senior year, because I had, it was like, okay, like I just need to take all the classes to finish and the schedule. I didn't really have much in the way of options. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorite things is I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out and have fun. And this is when Little Rock City was still free. Right, right. So, man, I would go out, just have... You could just roll up in the evening and... Yep. I'd put on a chalk bag, some super comfy shoes, and I could go do like 50 boulder problems. Like, no yep. crash pad, just go out, climb a bunch, and have a ton of fun. And, man, totally. like, after that, like, to me, this was just a way of kind of blowing off steam and, you know, having fun outside. But, like, in the end, I ended up feeling much more confident with my climbing just because the amount of moves I was doing outside on rock was that was so much higher than when I would go in project or anything like that. Yeah. I think a lot of us can remember 
back to some of our earlier days climbing and how fun some of those initial seasons were before we had all these big expectations and big goals and disappointments. You know, most of the first five years of my climbing, the goal was just go out and have fun, you know, do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really know rock climbing as a sport, you know? Yeah. So I didn't treat it like one. It was just this fun thing we did on weekends and I like to try hard, but other than that, that's about it, you know? So I think we can think back to those, realize that that's, that is a feasible option, you know? Yeah. Even though we want to say it's not when we're focused on training and getting better and improving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot to it as well. Like, you can get a lot of benefit out of having fun. Like, you know, go to the crags that you may not have normally gone to because there aren't enough, like, hard climbs there. Or maybe it's just really far out of the way. But, you know, go out do some fun new on-sites. Do something that you really enjoy. But, uh, yeah, just kind of go and have fun. And honestly, like, for a lot of people, when they stop stressing out so hard about what they should be doing and they just go out and have fun, like it's fairly often that people realize like, oh, like I should have been doing something different. Like yep. maybe, maybe this is, maybe I can go out and just climb some easier climbs at a higher volume. And that's going to get me a lot of benefit because that's what I really need. But I felt like you know, if I wanted to progress, I needed to be building up like a higher level pyramid or projecting. Right, right. So, you know, like, man, if you're having fun and you're enjoying what you're doing, it's really easy to get better. Yeah. There are a lot of ways of having the, you know, that look like having fun that, that are going to help you progress. You know, one of the things I like about climbing with you is that you're not averse to you're not afraid to just make up stupid moves, play with stupid eliminates. That's one of my favorite things to do in a <laughs> boulder field is after I've done a boulder, make up some really dumb version of it that involves some really weird move, you know, because they're really fun to try. Yeah. You know, silly, dumpy little boulders can have some fun crazy moves on them that can teach you something for sure. Totally. And you learn a little more about body awareness. You learn a little more about how to see interesting movement and how to connect holds together. And I mean, that stuff's invaluable later on Mm -hmm. and you're not going to learn it by connecting the chalk dots. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't teach you as much as playing around and being silly can oftentimes. Totally. Uh, should we, let's take a break. Yeah. Let's take a break. What's up everybody. Chris here. I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but I do want to let you know about my new book, The Hard Truth, Simple Ways to Become a Better Climber. It's a collection of 26 essays, no nonsense, meant to shine a light on those qualities that limit us the most as climbers. The qualities that are hard to measure, but simple to manage. Simple that is, when they're backed with intention. The book was illustrated by my good friend, Brendan Leonard from semirad.com, who read every essay and put one of his amazing in-your-face charts along with each one. The Hard Truth will be widely available on May 14th, 514. No, that's not a coincidence. However, you can get your copy two to four weeks early by going to powercompanyclimbing.com 
click on the shop tab, the hard truth, check out all the pre-order bonus items that we have and get your order in. Until then, thanks for your support and back to the show. And we have returned um, during the break. My wife and our friend Julie came in and we pulled our medicine animals. Is that what they're called? Uh, Cards? I think that's correct. Um, yeah. You were a bear. Yeah. I was an I, antelope. I was, yes. Yeah. Pretty accurate readings, I think, actually. You were the <laughs> introspective one. I was the action, action, action one. So yeah. I think that was pretty accurate. Uh, so we've got two left on our top five ways to salvage your season after you've royally fucked it up. Um, and our number two <laughs> is to focus on your weaknesses. Now's a really good time mm-hmm. to focus on your weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, we're done having fun now. <laughs> no more fun. Time to fun only down. lasts like four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we were just kidding about fun. No. <laughs> How do you get better right now? Um, yeah, work on your weaknesses. Man, this is... Here's like kind of the fun trick about this. Like you can kind of get rid of your ego because there's <clears throat> like you have no expectations with your weakness because you already know you suck at it. Right. So it's just like, who cares? You've got pre-built excuses. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm terrible at like knee bar routes. So that's why I'm on this thing four number grades lower. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And no one else works on their weaknesses. So people would be like, holy shit, Chris is working on his weakness. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, I love it. I love spending time getting bouted by some low-graded oddity. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, fe- I think that term was in a Topher Donahue article about Lumpy Ridge in like... Low-graded oddities? In like a Rock and Ice magazine from 19... 19- 99 or something like that start up the car let's get going (laughs) why are we here but but yeah i think it's really fun it's fun for me anyway yeah to find something that's at this much lower grade that feels really difficult to me and the reason that i find that fun is because it gives me a really clear picture of here's something you can do to get better and frankly when you've spent a lot of time training and you've climbed into what you perceive may be your, your limits, it becomes really hard to get better. Yeah. You get better in tiny little chunks, not even chunks, tiny little specks. And, and finding those routes where it's like, oh, I've, I did 14A last season, but here's this 13A that feels impossible for whatever reason. That's a thing. Yeah, it's totally a thing. And it's a really exciting opportunity for low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, man. Like working your weaknesses and you just, you find out you really enjoy other things you didn't realize. Mm -hmm. Like I... I would say my favorite styles of climbing now are typically the things that for a long time I considered what I was worst at. Like I love big momentum climbing. Like, yeah, me too now. Big, I know. Yeah, we were, <laughs> it was hilarious. We were climbing a machine shop and you like 
did several of your power like been power projects, all the power projects, like big so. dino projects, and you're just yeah. like, shit, I gotta find something to work no, on. I need a new box to check. Yeah, but that's like that's just it. Like I used to love like static crimping and like smaller moves and high feet. Now for me, it's like full extensions. My favorite style, like mm-hmm. you know, and things even now like things that I don't consider my things that I've developed into strengths. Like you know, they're just a ton of fun. Yeah, um, and it's because like I started climbing on more and more different styles. Um, and you know, as far as weaknesses go, it doesn't even have to be specifically a style. Um, for instance, if where you climb, you always have beta, you know, maybe your weakness is figuring out beta for yourself. Absolutely. And go out to crags you've never heard of. Like well, bear won't wall- ask people for beta. Bear wall or holler. Go places. They don't, <laughs> they don't even have beta, but <laughs> yeah. Don't ask p- people for beta. Like this is a great way to learn. Um, don't ask for beta, go figure out stuff on your own. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like figure out these things that, you know, maybe you're not as good at, like maybe it's momentum, maybe it's pacing, maybe it's, maybe it's climbing in front of a crowd. Totally. Like, which, you know, if you're fortunate enough, some places you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to travel to any popular crowd, anywhere that's popular, like if you want to go to the Red River Gorge, um, it's funny. So I, pretty much started climbing at the red like sport climbing that is and for me it's weird to be at crags when no one else is around right like i've always had 10 other people at the crag mm-hmm. at least if not like 70 if it's october and all of spain is there yeah i've um, gone through the whole range of crowds in attendance at the red yeah so, from from zero to 100 so this kind of bounces off like setting up for another for your next season but if you know you want to go somewhere where it's busy go b- climb at busy crowds mm-hmm. you know you can climb on things that are a little bit below your limit but get comfortable with it yeah you'll find out really quick how much your ego plays a part in your climbing you know if you really look back and are honest with yourself and you can say oh last season when i was climbing at this crag where there were no people i was trying you know, three hard burns a day and then getting pumped on something not as hard at the end of the day just to finish my day off. And then you go to this new crag where there's a bunch of people and you're like, oh, I bolt to bolt in my project once. Probably didn't even get on the project. You were like, <laughs> uh, there's someone yeah. already kind of on it. I'll get mm-hmm. on this other thing around the corner. And yep. I don't know. I'm not feeling it. Absolutely, man. You have to be honest with yourself about that stuff. And that's something you can work on. Yeah. And you know, it, you can learn to use it to your advantage, man. Like I love when there's like a big psyched crew at the crag, mm-hmm. like me too. That is such a great amount of energy that you can feed off of. Unless I just don't like those people. Yeah. Fuck those people. <laughs> but, but yeah, so mm-hmm. weaknesses don't te- don't need to be like, I'm bad at crimps or slopers. They totally can be. Um, but yeah, if you've already, if your season's already in the shitter and you need something to do, like you might as well work on the things that are the easiest to get better at. Yeah, learn and get better. Something you just said, though. Shitter? It's funny to me. No. <laughs> so you and I have both worked with a, a a fairly large number of clients over the last couple of years. Yeah. What would you say is the most common two weaknesses listed on people's consultation forms power endurance and power endurance (laughs) my god 
I was thinking of slopers and climbing dynamically. Oh yeah. I still see that all the time. I guess Even I w- though every gym in America only has slopers and climbing dynamically. Yeah. I was thinking of what do you want to get the most out of this training? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always power endurance. It is. It's Doesn't matter. Power endurance. I mean Bold, they they choose the middle. Boulder, sport climber, they're like, Oh, I want power and endurance. Ooh, power endurance. <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, total but. sidebar there. <clears throat> and uh I guess that brings us to our number one. Right. Yeah. Our number one way and this one this one doesn't happen enough. Yeah. Not enough people do That's this. That's why it's number one. Yeah. Our number one way to salvage your season is to stop freaking the fuck out and stay the motherfucking course. You just had like twenty of your clients in your head when you said that, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> I did. Um I'm not going to name them, but I did. You know who you are. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's really important to realize that, especially if you're in the gym most of the summer. Oh, yeah. And then fall rolls around, and you go out, and week one, your first trip to the crag, you're like, oh, my God, nothing worked. I suck. This, uh, it's all, it's all failed. I wasted my money. I wasted my time, Mm -hmm. you know, no, you gotta, you gotta see it out. That doesn't even mean see it out for three weeks. That means see it out for a couple of months because depending on who you are, depending on your level of experience, depending on your level of adaptability, it could take a month to get used to climbing outside, especially if you're only going outside once a weekend. You know, if you get four trips, it might take you that long just to start to transfer what you've built up to what you're climbing on outside. hundred percent. You know, I think this is one of the common, one of the most common errors that we see in people's uh, seasons. You know, they come out and they think they're just ready to tear tear apart their project and they're like oh shit i'm not ready like still feels hard yeah still feels hard but that's just it like if you've been climbing in the gym like it takes time like it takes time to get that skill back up um i was recently rereading uh easy strength dan john and pavel Mm -hmm. and in it dan john talks about uh skill sport athletes and he says that you know if you have an off season you're going to build up strength and if you do things correctly, as you transition into your season, your strength will drop and your technique will advance and your performance will advance as your strength drops. Like the two should happen simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And man, I think that's like, I think that's what happens when you climb outside. Like, totally. you know, and I'm, we both climbed in the South a good bit. So like pretty aggressive training seasons as far as mm-hmm. uh, the weather's heinous. So you don't really want to climb outside. Yep. So it's like, okay, I'm going to, lock myself in this gym for the next three, four months. Then when you climb outside, it's funny because I have videos of me like going to like Boone. It'd be like in September when the weather's like cool there, but still too hot everywhere else. And I'd be climbing like an idiot. I'd be Mm -hmm. like, you know, just like looking too strong. Like I would be just like super strong, but climbing terribly because I hadn't touched rock in four months. And then, you know, about like a month or two later, it would slowly... I'd have that shift. 
Yep. It's like, okay, maybe I'm not as strong, but I'm moving so much better. And so I'm sending significantly harder just because I'm finally getting comfortable on rock again. Yeah, totally. Um, and man, it's better like, you know, if you're sport climbing, getting used to being really pumped out of your mind again, <clears throat> like that's a thing. Yeah. Especially if you're going, like if you're, if you've trained for a season in an area you're unfamiliar with, this is going to be an even tougher process. Yeah. And it's, I just can't say it enough. Do not bail, you know, don't abandon ship. Mm -hmm. See it through a little bit. You know, you can still implement some of these other tactics. You can have an, a little short anti-style project that you work on leading into your season. Probably should. You know, and I really love that tactic. I've used it a lot. Mm -hmm. You can, you can go out and just have some fun days while you're getting used to the rock, especially if you're feeling rough. Sure. I see you smirking. Why not? About fun. Yeah. Fun's cool. I guess. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. And I think when you first go out, you should step the difficulty back a notch. Mm-hmm. You know, hitting the, I've talked about this to a lot of my clients, um, quite a bit that the fall is by far the easiest season in the, in the Red River in the Southeast, because you get to go out and start climbing on rock when it might be a little too warm, mm-hmm. but you're getting used to climbing outside and then the best temps are coming as you're hitting your your fitness peak and your comfort peak and but then in the spring you Clock's get like taken. you get like two or three weeks early in the season and then it shuts the fuck down so mm-hmm. you have to be able to hit the ground running yeah and that's considerably more difficult totally and that's what's nice <clears throat> on the fall is like you know if weather does go bad you're like hey i'm just gonna boulder through the winter do a little bit of training like I just have like a month and a half, two months, and I can potentially sneak a couple cold days in. We'll be good. Yep. But uh, yeah, when spring starts fading, it's you know it's a scary time. It's scary. Um, but and, and I think spring especially, you have to stay the course. Yes. If you go out day one and it feels rough, and you're like, I didn't hit the ground running fast enough, <laughs> then and you bail, then you have no shot. So yeah, I think staying the course is a really, really important tactic and i think you should you should do that 100 percent at least a few times if you're a person who bails out quickly commit to it it may not pan out you may have tanked your season who knows yeah but you'll know more by seeing it through just like any training plan just like any experiment if you don't see it all the way through you have no idea what the results are totally couldn't agree more um I like that you keep saying couldn't agree more. You know, I think I I could agree a little bit more on that last point. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about, these are five great things for if your season's turning to shit. Oh man, you're throwing a curveball here. I didn't write any of this down. Um, Hey, I have it written here. Ask Chris about Waco. I haven't even done that yet. So... (laughs) um, (laughs) What are the common things that we see instead of these five things that people do like, <clears throat> oh man, season started. I try, like I thought I was going to have great endurance and my endurance isn't there. Like day one, I don't have endurance. 
What do people normally do and what should they be avoiding? I think there's a couple mistakes I see pretty often. Um, number one, because I'm a coach and because I'm talking to people about their training every week, I see people start hitting it even harder in the gym, like mm-hmm. more days in the gym, more time in the gym, more laps, more four by fours, more whatever. They're freaking out. I'm not prepared. Um, and I think that's a mistake. I think you have to, again, see the plan through, see the season through. Then you'll know if it works. Otherwise, when you just start throwing everything at the problem, you have no fucking idea what worked and what didn't. Yeah. Um, if you're starting your training when it's already in the 60s out, like you're in trouble. Yeah. I think that's a massive problem. How about you? What do you see? Um, That's definitely the biggest one is like, they're like, okay, I need to go back to training. Like, and I, man, I, I have seen people skip out on a season. Like, yep. cause there was a, t- you know, there'd be times where, um, you know, I'd have to like, depending on my work, like I would work weekends. So if I was busy working weekends and I, maybe I'd sneak into the gym for a little bit of climbing when I was in Chattanooga and I'd see a handful of people there and I'd be like, bro, what are you doing? It's like 55 and sunny out, you know? And I talk with a couple people and like, they'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just, I don't feel strong enough for my project. So I'm like, I'm here trying to get stronger. And it's like, we got like mm, 15 more of these days this year. What are you doing here? Like you got the day off work. Yep. Um, I got news. I'm never going to be strong enough. (sighs) Never going to be good enough. So you know, I want to go out and do the shit that I can do while I can do it and then use those those days that I can't be out there to try and get a little stronger, a little closer toward that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so that's one I see. The other one is just, man, just letting it all go to shit. They're, they're just like, hey, uh, they just freak out. Like every Like they had a nice plan. They were like, okay, I'm going to build this base. I'm going to do these climbs. I'll build up my to my project. When the first thing kind of falls through, they're just like, that's it. I'm scrapping everything. Like I need, I need to climb five, five now. Like, cause apparently I can't climb on, you know, my five twelve project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they just, you know, completely implode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know everyone listening to this is like, I would never do that. That would never happen to me but it's total bullshit. It happens to all of you. I get your emails. I know. Mm-hmm. I know what happens. And you know, just as an example, and this is a, you know, this is a, a success story, um, but I got an email um, just last week from a guy named James Mihal, who he was a little bit, he was heartbroken that he had fallen off the last move. He had slipped. His foot had slipped off the clipping jug of his big project. Classic. Fell and was like, I've got a week before I go back out there. What do I need to do? You know, do I need to do some four by fours? Should I be doing, what should I be doing in the gym? Can I get to ketogenesis in a week? (laughs) Is that how that happens? And, and this is not uncommon. So, you know, James, I'm not picking on you at all. This is not uncommon. This is what most of us do when we 
fall off of our projects. We're like, oh God, what do I need to do to ensure that this doesn't happen again? And if you're steeped in training and preparation, that's where you're going to go first. And my advice to James was, dude, what you're doing is working. Whatever you did worked. You got there. You made a mistake. That happens, you know. Do what you've been doing. Then go back out there and send the thing. And he just sent me an email a couple of days ago saying, I went back out, followed your advice, went, took one beta burn up it just to make sure I knew where my foot was going to be, dial in the move, and then I sent next go. And he's super stoked. But my point is, people can freak out over the smallest little things. And when you're hearing it about someone else, it sounds so impossible. Mm -hmm. But I've seen so many times very logical people freaking out for no reason whatsoever. Totally. And, don't and ready try and, to bail. Don't try and get them to explain your, their logic. <laughs> no. Um, no. You know something mm. else, like one other thing that we see fairly often, and this is in people who don't have as much time. So um, let's say they only get, you know, five weekends for an entire season, four or five weekends, yep. something like that, like every other week for the fall. And weekend one and weekend two don't go according to plan. They're like, okay. Yeah, I'm halfway through. I got two I'm, weekends left. Yeah. So instead, they're just like, I need I need to get something out of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. they severely overcorrect course. You know, let's say this is someone trying to nab their first like 12B. And instead they're like, well, I can't do that. I'm just going to do a bunch of new 511s because then I have something to show for this I season. I have to have something to show for it. Yeah. Right. And that, I mean, you know, we hear this all the time. But, uh, you know, for people like that, the best thing I can re- recommend is stay the course. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, one of my clients was going down to the VRG for uh, like a week and wanted to try a hard route there. But he was really nervous about putting that much of his time into one route. He's mm-hmm. like, what if I come back empty handed? I'm like, the crag's not going anywhere. You you get to drive down there again sometime if you want to. And which are you going to be more satisfied with when you come back? Which are you going to want to tell your friends about? Is it, oh, I did a bunch of 12 Cs. Most of them I'd already done before on other trips, but I did a bunch of them. <laughs> or is it, I worked really hard on my project, almost did it, now I'm really stoked to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I put all my chips in on this one thing and really went for it. For me, that's got more power. I mean, um, it gives you more opportunity to learn as well. Totally. Yeah. And just like you said in the beginning, if taking that step back, if, if bailing, you know, abandoning ship and overcorrecting course puts you back into your comfort zone, that's where you're making an error. Mm-hmm. We have to stay a little bit out of that comfort zone to continue learning. Totally. Period. So, yeah. All right, you want to you want to recap the 5? Yeah. So, top 5 ways to salvage your season. Top 5 ways to salvage your season. Number 5. Take a step back. Number 4. 
view view it as a setup season. Mm-hmm. Number three, have fun. Boom, have fun. <laughs> number two, work your weaknesses. And number one, stay the motherfucking course. I'm glad you said motherfucking course, because if you didn't say it, <laughs> I was going to say it. All right. You guys out there all know where to find us. Powercompanyclimbing.com. By the time you hear this, we'll probably have our circuit tape out. You should check that out. I'm not going to tell you all about it right here because the website will tell you all about it. Powercompanyclimbing.com. And you will probably find us on the Instagrams. I haven't been spending as much time on there lately because I've been focused on training and climbing and working and and making sure you're prepared for your season. Making sure I'm prepared for my season. So you don't have to use this information. <laughs> so I don't have to bail the fuck out. Again. Yeah, again. You know what? Let's let, let's back up here. <laughs> let's talk about Waco. I'm interested in talking about Waco. Because you're right. It was a it wasn't my it it could have been a tanked season. And it may have been a tanked season. I could go with that. Mm-hmm. However, the reason it was a tanked season, it was because I stayed the course while in Chattanooga. So I'm okay with tanking my Waco season mm-hmm. because I stayed the course when I, that was the boulder I really wanted. I walked away empty handed. I stayed the course. It tanked my Waco season. So I spent a lot of time climbing a bunch of different things. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think you did a, The reason I have this is because totally. I think you did a really good job with Waco um, after other things. Um, <laughs> but you got to Waco and you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything. Like, so you did take it back a notch. You climbed a lot of volume and you mm-hmm. really got your feet under you there. And man, you got some good sense by the end of the trip. Yeah. Like, so. you know, it would have been, I think very easy for you to be, but like, oh shit, I've been climbing on like a vert sloper problem. And here I am in Waco. I'm horribly unprepared. Uh, Which is what happened. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> but it would have been very easy for you to be like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go do a bunch of easy stuff and that'll be it. And I'll... and then I'm just going to drive home because I'm not ready for this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen it happen plenty of times before where people come out like, oh, I want to come do this like hard boulder. And then, you know, suddenly they're repeating all the V6s and 7s they've already done in the past. And, you know, it's just like, you know, you can't, you know, you took time off to be here. Like, yep. So, yeah, no, I think you actually did a really well, good job with that. Okay. Just had to make sure we got that in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, to continue, you can find us on the Pinterest. Um, we don't really know what we do over there, but Lana does. We don't, I don't think Lana does anything over there either, <laughs> actually. And you can find us on the Facebooks at Power Company Climbing. Uh, you can, you can probably find stuff about us on the Twitters. I don't know if people are tweeting. I think that's what they call it, tweeting about us or not. Um, I have no idea because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. Maybe don't know. This time, this time, this time, this time, this
this time. 